remember late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. Welcome into Saturdays with Kramer right here on the Bet 1660. That is the Monster Mash. Bobby Pickett right there. And this is going to be a fun one-hour packed of Saturdays with Kramer. It's our Halloween episode. I'm hoping to do this as many times as possible. This is, uh, is going to be one of my favorite episodes uh, that we've uh, we've done here. Our favorite shows, I should say, right here on the Bet 1660. Saturdays with Kramer right here. I'm Kramer Sansone. You chime in on the show anytime, any place. On, at me on Twitter. Hit me up on Snapchat. Text me if you know how to get to reach me. Go for it. Reach out to me right now. And also, I want to know, what are you guys doing for Halloween? That, that's what uh, a trending topic right now is because, I mean, 31st is tomorrow. I mean, it's a Sunday. A lot of football scheduled on Halloween, which is, I mean, I'm fine with it. The Chiefs don't play till Monday, so I get to at least relax, sleep in until noon on tomorrow and watch football. It's going to be amazing. And then I get to, I mean, I really don't eat candy, but then when I do, I'll, I'll just eat it only on the 31st. But, yeah, no, this is going to be a fun show. We're going to be talking about, of course, the dynasty being over for the Kansas City Chiefs. MLB is struggling. There's uh, Dusty Likens, our fantasy football guru and expert, who uh, you can listen to on a 610 Sports Radio, our sister station, from a 9 to 10 on Fantasy Football Sundays um, over there on Sunday. Uh, yeah, he's going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour today and also recently getting to a little more halloween stuff because i mean it's it's halloween it's a, it's a feel good saturday morning it's bright it's sunny it's not raining for the first time in forever when i was leaving work yesterday i was like i haven't really realized what the the sun looked like uh, in a while because it's been doomy gloomy and rainy for the past what five days it seems like it's it's wild but no let's just get into it the kansas city chiefs dynasty is completely absolutely done all right it's really not uh this is uh, it's just a I don't know what you want to call it. The sky is falling for every single Kansas City Chiefs fan in Kansas City or even around the United States or the, over in the United Kingdom, down in Mexico, up in Canada. The, the, the sky is falling for any Kansas City Chiefs fan right now, which is completely sad because this is a, a still a decent team that just hasn't found its rhythm this entire season so far. And sitting at three and four, the, you, you lose, you get, not lose, you get demolished last week against Tennessee Titans. You actually come in on Monday against the New York Giants and see how things would go up there. Because, I mean, heck, there's a good chance Saquon Barkley might play. He may not play. And there's a good chance that Kenny Galladay plays or he may not play. There's just a lot of injury concerns on the offensive side, so the Chiefs should at least get one back this this uh, Monday. But uh, the Dynasty, I think, is done. I, there's, people are saying sky's falling. Um, even players are going out on social medias say, saying some things that I'll get into, such as Tyron Matthew or even... Anthony Hitchens also chimes in on some stuff. Stay off social media, guys. Stay off social media, guys. But let's just say uh, the, the, the defense is the biggest problem. That's what is wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think it's because of all the assets that the Kansas City Chiefs do have are in different locations or different spots on that defensive front that is not performing well, like such as Frank Clark. What is he getting paid? $30 million this uh, this season? Or, he's, uh, or I think the dead cap's $30 million if they actually do release him, which they're not going to release him. They won't do that because, I mean, that's that's a lot of dead cap money when you can just release him for free in this offseason. But he's getting paid so much money. I think it was a $90 million contract he had that, that he came over to Kansas City with. And then Chris Jones, you extend him, but Chris Jones really hasn't been Chris Jones that we've been seeing because 
He's a pass rusher now. He's not a defensive tackle. He's not a run stopper like he should be or he was really good at because, I mean, we haven't really seen him that much this year anyways because of his wrist injury. And honestly, that's what happens. Like, look at Major League Baseball. When CC Sabathia lost all that weight and he couldn't get back to his form of how he used to be. So I mean, he was like a 200-plus a guy, maybe a 250-plus guy, and he dropped down to like, what, 220. He lost like velocity off his fastball. And we see that with Frank, not Frank Clark, excuse me, Chris Jones. We've seen that he lost, what, I think 20 pounds and he got moved to the edge. And so I was hoping to make him faster and stuff, but he's not even being able to get around the tackles, which honestly, I know I've said this before, but there's a difference between tackles and guards. Guards are your run blockers. They're not your pass protectors. But I mean, they, they're, they're, of course, they're there to pass protect, but their main focusing main goal is to help run block. And the tackles are there pretty much to Pass protect. That's that's what they are, and they know what they're doing, and that's why you, you have the weak side insides. That's why Chris Jones is able to have all of sacks for however long he's been here in Kansas City, and it's just not having being able to turn over onto the the tackle side. And you even had Alex Okafor, who a couple of days ago met with the media. He said there there's a he said this is what he said. He said there's not panic from this defense. Well, let me see. Hold on. Let me see if I can replay that again because, uh, of course, we we all know this. It's the it's the sixteen sixty studios does like to uh, you know be uh, be a little funky at times. So here's here's Alex like a four um, uh, on the defense. I also need to get rid of Monster Mash in the background. That, that might actually be able to be helpful too, because uh, yeah, because that's. Uh, I mean, it's it's Halloween episode. It, it, some some things may not go right. Some things will go right. But let's just say uh, one more time. Third time's a charm. Alex, looking for. We know what this team is capable of, so there is a shared frustration within the locker room. But I mean, we're all we're all mature. We've you know we've had a lot of success, so we understand that, and we know how to get back to that. So there's no panic. We're making corrections, and we plan on playing better this week. They're making corrections and also planning on playing better this week. I mean, granted, it's against a, I think, a two and five Giants team or a three and four Giants team. It's just a bad Giants team who actually looked good last week against the Panthers. They had a, what a safety and stuff. It was like five to three throughout the most part of the game. That defense just poured it on. That's the thing too. Giants defense is a little scary. But going back to the Chiefs defense, but there's no panic. I mean, I, 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 I can sense that there is no because we're only seven weeks into the season. There's only ten weeks left of the regular season, and people are saying, oh, this is a wild-card team now. Like They, they think the Chiefs will make the wild-card team. you got to go against the, the Raiders trying to buy this week, who's just trying to stay healthy. Yeah, the Chargers are at least somewhat relative speaking into the existence. Broncos clearly suck, but it, this defense is it's, it's not good. It, it really isn't. The secondary always gets beat, no matter who it is. It can be a tight end that's, that's streaking down the field. Heck, it can be even be the X or the Y or the Z um, uh, receiver streaking downfield, and yet they're still going to get beat. And yet Tyron Matthews out here tweeting about stuff, and he should be the more focused not on the social media aspect of things, but worry about what's going on on the field because he's one of the guys that I cannot stand showing up his teammates. Absolutely cannot stand it. Every single week, I... I I kid you not, every single week that I've seen, I've, I've covered Chiefs football, he always has his hands to the side and up. And it's like, dude, you know when you do that, you're showing up your team. Your, your team. I remember when earlier this season in Major League Baseball, I know you can't really compare the two, but earlier in Major League Baseball, there was a pitcher for the Blue Jays who showed up his teammate. He showed up his teammate by uh, by pretty much having his body language all disgusted because there was an errant throw. Joe Panic threw at the first base, and it was an errant throw, and he, he, he just couldn't believe it. He's like, come on, man. Like, come on. Like, that's what 
Tyron Matthews doing right now? And all the Blue Jays players on that time, when that happened, they were like, oh, man, you can't be doing that. Even the manager said that. You can't be doing that. Why is no one saying that to Tyron? Granted, I like Tyron Matthew. I, I, I don't mind him at all. He's a great person. But on the field, I, I, just, I, I don't like it when he shows up his team. And that's what the, when the first thing started gearing for me right now is like, I just cannot. I, I, I don't like doing that at all because this is a team sport. It's not like you're out there playing one-on-one tennis. I can sense how when you do an individual sport that you can get frustrated at yourself and like, come on, man, why did I do that? Why, why did I do that? I have my hands on to the sides. And I'm like, why did I do that? You don't do that to your teammates, the guys that you call your brothers. You just don't do that. And I think that's one of the biggest things, too, is players may have sensed that. I mean, Daniel Swordson's being burnt, but yet at, at, during games, they, they, I guess they, they're just like two hands to the side, but then they're buddies in the locker room, which honestly, if that, that doesn't gel with me. Say if I'm Daniel Swordson and that happens, I'm not... I, I'm, I'm confronting whoever does that to me and be like, hey, why'd you do that? Like, I, gr- Granted, I know I messed up, and I, I, I know when it, once the play happened, I messed up. So why are you doing this to me? Like, well, like, I get it, but why are you showing me up on television where everybody can see it? Everybody on social media now is like saying, oh, Dana Swanson this, Dana Swanson that. Dana Swanson has missed tackles, but he's actually been very solid. I like Daniel Swanson a lot. So... I just, I just, it just does not gel well with me when a teammate shows up another teammate, and that just, it just, it hurts me just watching it because I already know it hurts that player too if they want to go back and watch the film. Like, like that's that's just how things work. But anyway, let's just go with uh, what Andy Reid said a few days ago with uh, this team finally experiencing some adversity. You get kicked in the tail, you know how are you gonna handle it, and. Uh, um, you know, you, you bow up and move forward. Do you learn from it? Do you practice the right way? Do you, you know, do you attack the issues that you might be having? Um, and that's all of us as coaches starting right here. You know, are, are you willing to do that? And so that's And we all do that collectively. We'll be fine. And what I like about Andy Reid on that is that he's also lumping in the players and also the coaches and everything, which is like, because, I mean, it's a, it's a team aspect, like I just said. It's everybody. That's including Andy. That's including EV. That's including, uh, heck, uh, Derek Nottie. Like, that's including everybody. It's a team aspect. And the fact that they're finally experiencing some adversity for the first time in your life, I'm applauding you because they have been on a stretch that has been historically good, especially with this offense. This offense has been historically good the past three seasons. And they're just now finally filing adversity. This is a team that has made three straight AFC championships, two straight Super Bowls, and they've won one Super Bowl. Like, this is a good team. There's no reason for the sky is falling stuff because at times there is setbacks. It's not like when the, the New England Patriots in their heyday with Tom Brady, they would win a, win a one Super Bowl, they win two Super Bowls, then they won't go back to Super Bowl for four years, and they think, oh, Dynasty's done. All that's done. It's over with. It's over with there. But then they end up him back. They come back. They won two more. Another little stretch. Oh, is Tom Brady done? Tom Brady this. We've already heard the Patrick Mahomes t- is done, which is ridiculous. And also, why would you want to trade Patrick Mahomes? Which everybody's like, oh, we need to trade Pat. We need to trade Pat. We need- no, do not trade Pat. Your quarterback situation in Kansas City is fine for the next however so many years is left on that contract. That hasn't yet to start. I think until the end of the season is when that contract that he signed, the half a billion dollar contract, is going to start at the end of the season. Like that, you are set. You just need to build around him. You just need to do that. And granted, I know all these defenses are now playing cover two, only sitting three or four. They're not. They're not even blitzing anymore against Patrick Mahomes because they they know that they the defense now has 
figured him out to be like, okay, if we play cover two, just have to, our safeties back deep. They can't, that eliminates the, the deep ball. So we're going to have them uh, throw the little short, little short rounds, routes, slants, do whatever. Keep them five yards, little dink and dunks. That's all they're going to give to the Chiefs now. But if, and Patrick Mahomes is learning. He is. Like he's 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 trying to figure out when to take that sack and not throw the ball up for an interception because he's thrown an interception what, in six straight games, which is the first time in his career doing that. There's times where players regress a little bit, but then they come back even stronger the season after that. That's just how things are. But the Chiefs' season is not over. It's not even far from being over. So I'm getting tired of people whining, complaining, Saying, "Oh, this is over with. It's done. Like it's 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 not. Get the silver spoon out of your mouth, you all you uh, you imported Chiefs fans from when the Chiefs made it to the AFC Championship game and lost to Tom Brady and the Patriots. You're you're not a true Chiefs fan right now if you're saying the sky is falling. You're 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 not. Granny, you may be frustrated with what's going on on the performance on the field, but you are not a true Chiefs fan if you're saying trade him, trade him, fire that, fire him." You are not a true Chiefs fan. You are not. So stop it. So stop acting like you're one. Stop being that social media warrior attacking players because that is that you don't need to do that. You, you don't. They already know what the performance is going on on the field and off the field. They are they already know what's going on. So there's no need for you to go out there and attack players and then that aggravates players to like say things back and then it makes the players even look even worse when they're really not. So no, you you get, stop. The dynasty is not over with. The season's not even over with. There's ten more weeks left. And you guys are whining and complaining because of only four losses. As a, uh, I, if you haven't noticed this and you're tuning in right now, sorry as a Kramer, if you haven't noticed this, I am a Raiders fan. I'm not one of those crappy, nasty, all the seven dirty words in radio. I'm not one of them Raiders fans. I'm probably the most relaxed Raiders fan ever because I've only seen one winning season my entire lifetime. And that was back in 2016 when the Raiders won 12 games. That's the only time in my cognizant life of watching football, of winning, remembering a winning season. It's been rough. So I'm getting tired of these Chiefs fans saying it's over. It's not. It is not. It is the Halloween, and there are a top five somewhere, and there's another top five somewhere in the NFL to where it's a defense and an offensive game. We already know that. So here's my top five scariest offensive players in the NFL, let's start off with number one, Derrick Henry. This guy can run over anybody. He can also throw a touchdown pass, as we saw from last week against the Chiefs. Derrick Henry is the number one on the list because he's a guy that can stiff arm you into next week. He can pick you up and toss you off the field, and he's able to score touchdowns whenever he wants, whether if it's on the ground or through the air. Even if you stop him on the ground, it's still not a true stop. You can get, He can get 70 yards on you. And on 20 carries and score a touchdown, that's still a Derrick Henry type beast mode type of play. This guy's on pace to break over 2,000 yards this season, especially with that extended game. We'll see how many times they actually want to run him, though, because his his ticker's going up on the attempts, but he can run over anybody and everybody. So that's why Derrick Henry is number one. Number two, let's go with Tom Brady. I, I All my notes for this, it, all it says is GOAT because that's what he is. When he is, especially that two minute drive after the fourth quarter, if he needs to win, he'll get you that ball. Um, if it's 3-28 to in Super Bowl, he will get you that win if they're down by 3-28. to We saw that already happening against the Atlanta Falcons, I think, back in, like, what, 2016? He, Tom Brady will pick him apart, a defense, look at you, won't do it with a straight face, and then, heck, he, with, his, uh, with his slow feet, slow lead feet, he can actually 
bust out a, a nice chunk play for the for you know for a little bit of a run. I mean, one or two yards is a nice bit chunk play for Tom Brady. But yeah, Tom Brady has got to be on the list for the scariest players then uh, on the offense. Number two, let's go Aaron Rodgers. This is a guy that will burn you deep, and before you do it, he'll wink at you. He'll be like, "All right, I'm going this way." Like he'll tell you what's happening, and he'll end up doing it. It's like a guy that is very good at roulette. He'll like, "All right, let's go black 15 or whatever the or red 15." I don't know. I I never played. Um, um, uh, no roulette, roulette. Um, uh, he'll uh, he'll pick that, and then it'll just automatically go to it um, uh, while he's drinking his drink, and he's like shrugging his shoulders, like I mean, I knew it was going to happen. That's what Aaron Rodgers is when it comes to playing football. And then number four, let's just go throw his counterpart into it, Devonta Adams. Everybody knows he's getting the ball. Aaron Rodgers is going to throw it to him no matter what. Everybody knows this. He can be single covered, double covered, or triple covered, and he's still going to get that ball. He'll no matter what get that ball. He'll have. 15 targets, have 14 receptions, and have like 200 yards. Like That's how Devontae Adams works. That's why he's one of the scariest guys in the league. And the number five on the list, Lamar Jackson. This guy can hurt you in so many ways this year, whether if it's on the run, whether if it's on the pass. Heck, they're, what, what, they're on a six, seven-game winning streak right now. The only game that they've lost this season. Oh, actually, no, they've lost two. They lost two. Forgot the, the Chargers destroyed them, dismantled them. They won the, this past week against the, the Bengals. The Bengals should have won. But no, they lost two games this season. Lamar can hurt you in so many ways, especially on that, that running game. I mean, we saw that with uh, the Chiefs. Heck, the Chiefs probably should have won that game, but if it wasn't for a CH fumble, it would have been a different story. But yeah, Lamar Jackson. So my top five scariest defense offensive players, Derrick Henry, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Devonta Adams, and Lamar Jackson. Now the defensive side, you have to put this guy on the list at number one no matter what because he's drug tested every single week ever since he took off his long sleeve underneath his pads because he's just yoked for... for This guy's been chiseled by the Greek gods, is Miles Garrett. This guy is a stud. He's a freak. He's a beast. I'm pretty sure he's leading the league in sacks right now with nine. So, yeah, no, Miles Garrett has to be on this one. Then also next guy, this could be a, a toss-up for number one, Aaron Donald. This guy's won three Defensive play, defensive Player of the Year awards in his career. This guy is, he can, he plays the defensive tackle. I want to try to get this analogy for you. If there's, if there's a center and a, say, a left or right guard blocking him, he can use one hand on the center, one hand on the guard, and just push him, push them both towards the quarterback, and he can actually force them into the quarterback to sack the quarterback that way. That is what Aaron Donald can do. This guy is a a freak. He's he's scary. I wouldn't If I'm a quarterback in the league, I am terrified of this dude. So, yeah, Aaron Donald has to be on this one. Jalen Ramsey. You haven't heard... Have you heard anything from Jalen Ramsey at all this year? And that's a good thing because no one is being... Whenever he's carving, guarding somebody, covering somebody... The quarterbacks don't throw that way because they know Jalen Ramsey's there. That's what he's a lurker. This guy's a lurker and he's a ball hawk. That's why he's one of the scariest guys on defense. Another guy, he's a Raiders guy, Max Crosby, who leads the league this year in most quarterback hits with 19 and with pressures with 40. This guy is getting better week after week. Remember, this is a third round draft pick. You usually find those diamond in the roughs, right, guys, in the third, fourth, fourth rounds, third and fourth rounds. Max Crosby is one of them from that 2019 draft. And now, finally, the last guy. Trayvon Diggs. This guy's a rookie, has seven interceptions already. He's averaging an interception a week. He has two touchdown scores already as well. So Trayvon Diggs is one of your scariest defensive players. Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Max Crosby, uh, Trayvon Diggs. So that's your guys from top of the order, from bottom to top. It is the Halloween special. We're going to go over some more scary things next. But first, MLB is struggling. We'll discuss next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660. Oh! Who's that I see walking in these woods? 
wise little red riding hood Hey there little red riding hood You sure are looking good You're everything a big bad wolf could want Listen to me little Welcome back into Sirens of Kramer right here A guy that's uh being a pretty much a, a big bad wolf was uh, last night during the World Series in Anderson for the Braves man this guy went five innings of no hit ball against the Houston Astros which is the trash throws if you uh if you uh, follow along with Sarah's with Kramer cannot say in the Astros we all know this um but yeah no he went uh, five innings no hits and he had like what around 70 pitches and he gets uh, he actually got pulled he got yanked which uh, the the Braves actually had like five different pitchers that entire time, but it was like it was it was shocking. Like I was I was watching it. And I'm like, okay, why is this guy getting pulled? What are we, what are we, what, what, what are we doing, Atlanta? Like, are we doing another Tampa Bay Rays instance from last year with uh, with Blake Snell getting pulled when he had like I think giving up only one hit, give up one run, and he had like 70 pitches through seven innings, and the the Rays ended up losing last year. No, nope, the Braves hold on to uh, only give up only two hits, only two hits. Of the nights uh, uh, last night, and they ended up uh, winning the game. But here's the thing: the Braves right now are undefeated at home, which that's 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 music to my ears right now because the Chiefs, not Chiefs, the Braves can win two more games and they win the World Series, which that is that's what that's all what we want right now. That's what we want in a a baseball society for having the Astros finally getting there legitly. I'll put quotes on that because we haven't known yet. It took a, a few years after they won the World Series the first time. Of them uh, saying, "Oh yeah, no, they were cheating. They were they were using the uh, trash cans, uh, laser pins, uh, buzzers, and all the all 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 the good stuff to help cheat." And uh, yeah, no, we'll see we'll see what happens. It was, it was weird too watching the game last night. It was all foggy and cold, which is kind of eerie and spooky, especially for it being uh, you know tomorrow's Halloween. Uh, so yeah, no, it was it was interesting. So what what I was thinking was, are we going to see this more and more often now of teams pulling pitchers who are dialed in and locked in? Pulling them way too early. All right, we're gonna see that now. We're gonna see a lot of teams just, you know, crumble at the thing because I mean the Braves only won two to nothing last night. It wasn't like it was a blowout. And that's why they pulled him out because they can try to save his arm. Now, if Ian Anderson is is dialed in and locked in, I'm leaving him out there. Like I, I am. He's the first pitcher, make a rookie. It hasn't done this in over a hundred years that a rookie has um, taken a no hitter into the fifth inning, like uh, or into the sixth. I've, I've, he's gone through five innings of no hit ball. So that that's what's interesting is it's only been a hundred years, but yeah, they they've still pulled him with especially with seventy pitches. I mean, this is this is postseason. I want my if my guy's locked in, he's locked in. I'll keep him out there. That's just how my mentality works always. When say if I was coaching like back I, back when I was in uh, um, a college when I coached a high school uh, uh, high school baseball on the freshman team, or whether that's uh, just me watching. Like I want to keep these guys in there because they're they're locked in and dialed in. But if you have a, a bullpen that you can rely on and trust, like kind of like how the Braves do, then things things go away. You can nix everything. So we're going to probably see more and more teams do this in the postseason because, for one, this might be the biggest thing. He's already gone to the batting order twice. He will actually, yeah, no, he's gone to the batting order twice. He's got the top, the top of the order coming up in the top of the sixth. They've already seen him twice. And analytics show after the third time through the order, the batters have already adjusted. They've already figured out the pitcher, hopefully, and that's when they're going to put on put on the runs. They're going to put on the hits because I mean they're they were trying to grab hit grab hits left and right when they couldn't do it. So Ian Anderson got pulled. And they went to the pitcher, a different pitcher. So then they okay okay timing switches up changes. Um, uh, maybe it's a 
Maybe they're gonna bring out a a, a slider, um, a side armor, or a a a, a guns blazing fastball or a hurler. Like that's that's what they did. That's what the Braves did. They they picked apart what the Astros are used to, and then they were able to you know actually win the game, which was good. Even with Will Smith coming in, gave the gave the first hit to Alex Bregman, and then took down Jordan, took down Kyle Tucker. Um, uh, and I, he took down some other person too. I, I, I just know Will Smith got out of the inning. Yeah, no, the pitcher Will Smith, not the, not the actor or the batter Will Smith. Uh, the pitcher Will Smith, uh, former Royal, by the way. Uh, but yeah, no, this is a, it's, it's a fun postseason. It's we're gonna probably see it again tonight, where you're gonna see a pitcher deal and then they get yanked. Unless it's like, it's odd because I get it, he's a rookie, but. If you're locked in, you're locked in. It's not like if Justin Verlander's out there or Garrett Cole or Adam Wayne. Well, no, Adam Wainwright got pulled and so did Max Scherzer. I can't put those guys in the in the analogy. But if you're Justin Verlander and he's locked in through five, uh, he has five no-hit innings and he's going out there to the six, you're keeping him out there on the six, you're keeping him out there on the seventh, you're keeping him out there on the eighth, you're keeping him out there on the ninth. That's just how the credibility is. But we're also seeing a, a time change in Major League Baseball where all there are are fastballs hitting 99-plus. And that's some wear and tear on the the arms of the, especially young guys such as Ian Anderson. And I can see how a, a risk factor like that can go. And especially during the like a, it's a colder day, a colder night in Atlanta. It wasn't no hot land anymore. It was a, a relatively temperatured Atlanta uh, for the game last night and for throughout the rest of the series there in Atlanta. So it's a uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what teams do because uh, it, times have changed. Like I think at some point in the next ten to fifteen years, the the command, low low miles per hour on fastballs, uh, very good control on changeups and curveballs and junk balls, such as a knuckleball too, a lot of good command. We're going to see that player come up within the next 10 to 15 years, and we're going to see a transition that, oh, everybody's hitting the fastball at 100, 100 plus miles per hour. Now they can't even hit the 84-mile-an-hour curveball because it's way too slow and their timing's way off. We're gonna, it's, it's just how things work, it, and they're also going to be... This, those stupid rules that we went over last week, that, that those are going to be in place. It's going to, you know, mess some things up. But, yeah. Um, uh, earlier this week, PETA. We all know what PETA is. The, 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 the pet people, the animal people. Which, I'm an animal person. Don't get me wrong. I, I do enjoy me some dogs. And cats are somewhat growing on me. I, I, yeah, cats are somewhat growing on me because, I mean, I live with two. One's a pain in the rear and the other one just likes to eat, which is the one I like. But, you know, PETA is urging MLB to rename the bullpen to Arm Barn because it's insensitive to cows. What? Hold on, hold on. It's insensitive to cows. When did cows learn to know how to, to understand English? If we can have a conversation with a cow, I don't think they'd, be, they, they'd say, hey, please don't eat us. That's the first thing they'll say. And, and you, you already know that. Like, like, please don't eat us. We don't care about your bullpen. Our arm barn actually sounds pretty sick. I, I think it sounds pretty badass if you if it's me. Arm barn, I think that's what the nickname should be of the bullpen. But we're still going to call it the bullpen. I, I'm still going to call it the bullpen. But PETA on the MLB, ridiculous because it's insensitive to the cows. Urging the MLB to rename the bullpen to arm barn. I might say arm barn for now on anyways because it, this sounds, it sounds awesome. All right. I, I'm just, I, I, yeah, arm barn. It's insensitive to cows because the bullpen name is insensitive to cows. Oh my gosh, what are we doing, PETA? I get it. Some of the stuff I do get what PETA does, but uh, this one doesn't make any sort of sense. It's insensitive to cows. 
insensitive to cows. In other MLB news, that's uh, that's why it's struggling. Uh, this is uh, via Dan Lust on uh, Twitter. Yeah, his tweet said it's happening. Cleveland Roller Derby Guardians have sued the Cleveland Baseball Guardians for stealing the name. And it's quoted saying, We know uh, we are in the right, however, and just like our athletes do on the track, we will put everything into the effort at the courthouse. So you're telling me that the Spiders could not get picked. They used to be the Cleveland Spiders. I don't think there's any team in Cleveland right now that is named the Spiders. But yet they go for the Guardians. (coughs) Excuse me. Oh, gosh. Got a little coffin fit right there. But you choose the Guardians without doing any sort of research to try to figure out whether or not there's another Guardians team in Cleveland. The roller derby team. Who forgot about the roller derby team in Cleveland? I know I sure did. I sure didn't because I didn't know there was a, a Cleveland Guardians roller derby team anyways. That's not a knock on roller derbies. I think, honestly, watching highlights of roller derbies, those are some tough people. Tough people. I'm not sure if they're... I, I mean, there probably is a men's league roller derby, but, I mean, everything notorious is for the women's one. But uh, they're tough. Like, honestly, if there was... Say, say if there's a hypothetical brawl. The Cleveland Guardians and the Cleveland Guardians. One's the roller derby team, one's the baseball team. I'm taking the, the roller derby team to beat the you-know-what out of the baseball team. Because like, I, I, that's just how tough they are. These The roller derby team should actually be playing football, I feel like. That's just, that's just me. But, you know, MLB struggled this past week, especially with PETA and especially with the Cleveland Guardians name. But, uh, hey, you know how I did the, the scariest players in the NFL? Let's go to the scariest players pitching-wise and also batter-wise. Let's start with pitching. From 1 to 5. Max Scherzer. This guy is scary. Two different eye colors. One's brown, one blue. That that right there, if I'm a batter, I'm like, this guy is going to, you know what me right now. Um, but yeah, no, Max Scherzer, this guy is should be the National League Cy Young Award winner. And he's just been like this since his time with Arizona. And then once they were like, you know what, we'll trade you to Detroit. Detroit, Max Scherzer was phenomenal. The National Scherzer won him a, a World Series. Phenomenal. This guy is ridiculous. Another one is Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, I, I give him so much crap. So much crap, especially for his Kermit the Frog voice. Oh, for Pete's sakes. Um, uh, so, I mean, Garrett Cole is still a very good pitcher. Granted, he didn't do good during the wild card game this year against the, the Boston Red Sox, but Garrett Cole is still a bad man, and he's still able to get you that 10 innings if you need it, if you, especially if it's a 0 0 ball game. And he's like, you know, I can go out there in the 10th inning. I can go out there in the 11th inning. I'll, I'll win this. I, hey, bullpen. Hey, don't worry. Hey, arm barn. Don't worry about it. Hey, I got you. That's what Garrett Cole is. Another pitcher from this past year, Robbie Ray. This guy, here's the thing. You, out of all scary characters in, say, like films such as, like, say, Frankenstein, The Invisible Man, uh, I'm probably missing a few because I mean, I only named two, maybe Dracula. This is the thing. The scariest ones are very quick and very fast paced. Robbie Ray, he is a fast paced guy. Like, when he pitches, you know that game's going to go under two hours, especially when he's out on the mound. Like, if he's pitching the full game, because he just works quickly. He's very efficient. He's very controlling. This guy could be the American League Cy Young Award winner, which I firmly believe he should, because he just works so quick. He, he messes with the timing of the batters. That's why he's one of the scary pitchers in Major League Baseball. Let's just go with Corbin Burns as number four. This guy will strike you out. He won't walk it. He'll strike you out no matter what. He'll give hits. He'll give his fair share of hits. He'll give his home runs. He'll do that. That's what Corbin, Bourne, Corbin Burns does. He won't walk it, but he will strike you out no matter what. This guy went... What I think 60 strikeouts in a row without giving up a walk, which that's just incredible. Corbin Burns deserves to be on this list. 
And let's go with the number number five. I think from this past season, it's re, it's it's wild because, um, you know how like they're the mummy and mummies are always old. They 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 slow. They're staggering, but they also are able to efficiently break someone down and attack them and hurt them. That's what Adam Wainwright does, the St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright might be 40 years old, but he can still use that Uncle Charlie, that's what his nickname is, that curveball, to get strike out a player because he just moves so... Like I, I, I'm not saying he moves slow because he's very efficient in what he does, especially at the age he does, especially because, I mean, him, Yadier, Molina can just look at each other and knows, all right, let's, just, let's do that game that we did back in 2008 against the, the, Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland Indians at that time instead of the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, we'll just do that. Um, we'll just we'll we'll do that. We'll run that back and uh, we'll win the game. That's what Adam Wainwright does. That's what Adam Wainwright does. Adam Wainwright is a scary pitcher. Now let's go to the batter side. Number one should be Shohei Otani. Heck, Shohei Otani could be on both pitchers and batters because that's what he does. Shohei Otani has the the most violent swing in Major League Baseball. It's the most analytically driven swing in Major League Baseball, and he's able to do that at a consistent rate. This is a guy that is going to be in Major League Baseball for a long period of time. He's going to he's going to hit. I bet he will hit 500 home runs by the end of his career because that's just how his bat works. Shohei Otani deserves to be number one. Number two, I, I'm I'm not drinking the Kool Aid on this one because he's just so such an incredible hitter. Is Salvador Perez? We saw that how he was this this past season. Plus, all the way, but also the scariest pitchers and batters is going based on this past season. So that's why Salvador Perez is on this list. Uh, if it was prior season before that, I wouldn't have him on there, but he was able to just hit home runs after home runs after home runs, driving in runs after runs after runs. That is what Salvador Perez did all season this year, and that is why he deserves to be on this list. Um, he, if he doesn't win the Silver Slugger at catcher spot this year, uh, that's 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 co- complete baloney, and it's a disgrace because I think he has 15 more home runs and 30 more RBIs from... Mike Zanino, and I, I can't remember who the other one is, the other catcher is, but there's another one there that they're trying to get... To, I think it's Yasmani Grandal. Salvador Perez was able to to do better than them by by landslide, even the batting average, the home runs, and the RBI. So yeah, no, Salvador Perez deserves to be on this list. Number three, Jordan Alvarez. This guy, his bat stays in the zone for so long. It's not even a long swing, but his bat is in the zone no matter what, every single swing, and he will destroy pitchers. This is a guy every single Saturday, I think for the past like month and a half, hit a home run on Saturdays. That's why I always told you, pick this guy on your fantasy. Do it. So yeah, Jordan Alvarez. Number four, Jose Abreu. This is an RBI machine. And speaking of machines, number five, our pool holes. Our pool holes, I don't care how old he is. He is still scary at the plate. And I always think when every single time he's there, he's hitting a home run. That's just how I just feel like towards our pools and uh, just in general. Like, been watching him since I was a, a, a wee chap uh, at the ripe age, I think of four or five. I, I remember the, the first time I went to St. Louis, it was in 2003. So I think I was five years old, I believe. Uh, yeah, and I've been watching this guy my entire lifetime, which is actually kind of sad to see him possibly retire at the end of the season. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this is the bet 1660. Sorry, it's with Kramer right here. I'm Kramer. Uh, you can at me on, at Kramer Talks on Twitter if you want to chime in on the show, whether who your scariest uh, players are in Major League Baseball or in the NFL. Also, what are you doing for Halloween this year? Let me know as well. But let's try to make some money. We'll do that next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the bet 1660. The 
It's the Halloween episode here on Saturdays, Saturdays with Kramer. Gosh, Lola can't get that all the way out. But yeah, no, it's uh, something strange in the neighborhood. You're going to call Ghostbusters. That's that's what that is. Uh, so yeah, no, uh, I forgot to tease this. Yeah, no, guess who's joining me right now? The guy, the the fantasy guru over at 610 Sports Radio, Dusty Likens, is going to join us right here to uh, talk some fantasy football and uh, we, I had to pre-record this earlier because, the, of course, no, uh, no phone line in uh, <laughs> um, uh, phone line. I haven't figured it out here in the 1660 studio. So yeah, now here's the uh, the full conversation right now with my main guy. If I can hold on, make sure things are turned off and everything's all set in stone. Here is uh, Dusty, who joined me earlier. Welcome back into Saturdays with Kramer right here on 1660. Joining us now is our fantasy football guru around the station. Dusty Likens, who's also on 610 on every Sundays for his Fantasy Football Sunday show at starting at 9 o'clock. Dusty, how are you doing this morning? Kramer, I'm doing well, man. It's, uh, you know, it's finally not raining in Kansas City, which is a uh, fantasy insight for me because now I can go golf and try to get some fantasy pointers from old men on the course to try to get better myself. So what I'm doing for you, they're going to do for me, but in a different sport if you get what I'm throwing at you. Oh, I got you on that one, Dusty. So uh, fantasy this week, we know the Chiefs play on Monday, but what were you looking at for this Sunday on uh, matchup-wise? So matchup-wise, some slam dunks, uh, or what we like to call some of the obvious. Matthew Stafford plays Houston. Houston is 22nd against opposing quarterbacks in all the NFL. You don't have to do quick math there to understand that that is bottom tier. I look for Matthew Stafford, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup to continue to roll in Houston because they're going to start David Mims again, and all of a sudden, you know, they're still a bad team. So I look for everybody in in, in Los Angeles for the Rams to have big, big games this week. Um, I look for uh, the big game with a lot of fantasy value and a lot of fantasy action. Again, you'll have to wait all day Sunday. You have to go all the way through the day and into the night before Dallas and Minnesota play each other. Now, this one has some implications on it because there's a lot of people close to Dallas that think that Dak Prescott isn't going to play, nor do they think Zeke Elliott's going to play. So there's two types of things here. One, I think it's BS. I think Dak's going to play. I think he's not going to miss any games. I think he missed too much last year, and nothing's going to hold him out. Zeke Elliott's a little bit concerning. But if you're a smart fantasy player, like a lot of you are out there, you probably handcuffed. Tony Pollard to Zeke Elliott. So I think that's going to be something of note when you look at when you play Tony Pollard this week that he might get more points than maybe you would think. Um, another guy that I think can have a really, really big game this week is the kid out of Jacksonville. I think James Robinson has a really big chance to have a big bounce-back game because a lot of you last week you had to survive by Mageddon. That's what all the experts were calling it. That's what Matthew Barry was calling it, Field Yates. Uh, Paul Charchian, who we hear a lot on 610 Sports Radio. And James Robinson comes back with a great week after a bye. He plays the Seattle Seahawks, who, a little bit of a note, I said this on my fantasy podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, uh, titled Force the Punt, that if you have anybody in Seattle, when I say anybody, I mean DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you need to try to trade those guys because Russell Wilson is done. He's not coming back for any time that's going to help you out to get to the playoffs. So what that's done is D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett's numbers have gone down. If D.K. Metcalf last week did not get that 85-yard or whatever that was, that touchdown, he and Lockett would have combined for three catches for under 30 yards for the entire game. So James Robinson plays the Seahawks this week. I look for James Robinson to have a very big game. And Kramer, 
One of the best things about fantasy are sleepers. And the sleepers this week is a name that's also kind of like, you know, one you probably haven't heard a lot of, which is LaViscus Chenault, the receiver out of Jacksonville. Ever since DJ Shark has gone down, it has been Trevor Lawrence looking Chenault's way most of the time. They play a very, very bad Seahawks secondary. Seahawks secondary, not the greatest. It's bottom, you know, tier of the NFL, lower 15. But LaVisca Chenault had a really big game. A guy to keep your eye on that could be a sleeper. We don't know if he's going to play. Frank Wright of the Colts said he's eh, kind of indecisive until game time. T.Y. Hilton. The reason I say this is because T.Y. Hilton came back two weeks ago. And T.Y. Hilton had a decent return. Heavily targeted, just missed the end zone. T.Y. Hilton's a guy that can see end zone action, can be a fantasy streamer if you have somebody on the Ravens or the Raiders who aren't playing this week. Like, say you normally depend on Henry Ruggs, not going to play this week. So now there's another Raider that's not going to play this week, and that's Darren Waller, who missed last week. So if you're looking for a sleeper tied in this week, a guy that I like is out of Indianapolis as well, which is Mo Ali Cox. I think he could have a very big game. He also has a favorable matchup. I think that Mo Ali Cox plays Tennessee this week. Tennessee, look. They looked good last week against the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are in just a complete tailspin of a disaster of a season at that point against Tennessee. We don't know what they're going to do against the Giants, but look, I think Mo Alley-Cox is set to have a very decent game for the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz is getting a little bit more comfortable. He's starting to spread the ball out a little bit. He had a good game against the Niners and a pond of a game, but I look at Mo Alley-Cox to be a sleeper, and also don't forget about Khalil Herbert. Leo Herbert is now the guy in Chicago. Damian Williams came back last week off the COVID list. He didn't get a lot of action. They played a Tampa Bay team, Kramer, that doesn't give up 100 yards to running backs. Khalil Herbert had 100 yards as a running back for the Bears. So if you can do it against Tampa Bay, you as sure as heck can do it against the San Francisco 49ers. And Kramer, for all those people that own Chiefs offensive players, I'm trying to tell them, don't panic. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, they're all going to be fine. Even Daryl Williams. Gonna be fine. So Kramer, love your show. Keep rocking and rolling. But that's my fantasy segment. I hope everybody has a good week this week in fantasy. All right, thank you, Dustin. One more question for you: If you had the first round overall pick in the Halloween candy, which one are you taking first? Oh man, it's it's got to be Reese's peanut butter cups, man. Uh, without a doubt. As much as I got to turn on my Skittles fandom, I love Skittles, and I got to go Reese's peanut butter cups because it's the safe, easy slam dunk play that never gets hurt. All right, awesome. That's Dusty Likens right here joining us right here on Saturdays with Kramer. Right here on 1660. Remember, you can listen to him on Sundays from 9 to 10 o'clock when we have Fancy Football Sunday with Dusty Likens right on 610 Sports Radio. Dusty, have a good one. Peace. I'm out of here. So I didn't give you my... Uh, by the way, thanks once again, Dusty, for joining. Uh, I didn't give you give him my pick of what I would do. I mean, of course, I, I would always grab a Snickers maybe to my first overall pick. Also, by the way, if you, I, I'm pretty sure you all know this, but if you put Snickers in, like, say, the freezer or the fridge make them cold... Those taste a lot better. My grandfather taught me that. Um, also, I mean, if I'm going for seconds, and the like second round overall pick, Three Musketeers, my man. Like Three Musketeers is where it's at. Okay, let's just do this. Um, I'll we'll we'll do. Uh, well, here's my here's my top ten Halloween candies of choice. Going from let's go let's go from the bottom to the top. Number ten, Nerds. I I think Nerds is the the. I, it's good. I like the little packs and like you can shake them and go. I I do like that. So it has a little onomatopoeia right there. Um, I, nerds has to be number ten. Number nine, Milky Way. I'm not really more of like a caramel type guy, but uh, Milky Way is, is it, it grows on me a little bit. It's not my first choice. Clear. That's why it's at number nine. 
But uh, yeah, number nine, Milky Way. At number eight, let's go with Twix. It doesn't matter left or right. They're the exact same Twix the entire time, especially during um, Halloween time. The the cheapskates like to use to like get the, the little single, little tiny little rolls thing. Um, if you get the, the bigger, large, because of course everybody wants the, the grande size candy bars and a Twix, you get both to get left and right Twix. I mean, that's, that, ain't, that ain't a bad hole at all. But I mean, Twix at number eight. Number seven, peanut M&Ms. I, this one is like, I like them, but I can't eat too much of them. But I mean, I love, I mean, I love planters nuts. Um, any type of nuts, pretty much. I, I do enjoy eating. I mean, it's very good protein source. Um, even almonds wise, uh, chocolate covered almonds. I mean, heck, I should have done that. This is the traditional, traditional candies. Oh uh, yeah, peanut M and M's at number seven. Number six, Hershey bars. I don't care if you want to classify this as a candy or not. It, it, Hershey might be its own little thing. Hershey bars are delicious. I, I I I enjoy me a good Hershey bar from time to time, especially on Halloween. Number five, Kit Kats. Kit Kats is just a little. I like the crunch to them. Like I I should have put crunch on this list. That's that's a. I should have been number ten. Crunch should have been number 10. No, Crunch honestly should have been number 7 or number... I don't know. I, I, I made this uh, early in the morning, so I'm sorry about that. So, yeah, 5 at Kit Kats. Number 4, Reese's Cups. I've had so many of these. I've had so many Reese's Cups in my lifetime that I've started to, you know, strain away, fall away from the Reese's Cup uh, scene. Like, I, I'm, I'm taking a few steps back. I'm taking a few steps back on Reese's Cups. But that's why I got up number 4. There's still a awesome Halloween candy that gets, especially from the big houses and everything like that. So yeah, Reese Cups number four. Number three, M&M's. You can't go wrong with M&M's. Just get a few handful in your hand, pop them in your mouth. It's kind of like eating sunflower seeds to me. But except I don't eat the, I don't actually swallow the seed, um, uh, the sunflower seed shell itself. The sunflower seeds go in the mouth. Kind of like M&M's. Pop them in your mouth, eat them, put them down in pretty quick. I mean, the M&M's are good. Especially little tiny little chocolate balls, pretty much what they are. Yeah, no, you can't go wrong with them. Number two, three Musketeers. Number one, Snickers. By the way, Snickers. Put them on a put them on the 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 fridge or the freezer. It, honestly, put Kit Kats in the 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 fridge as well because those are also also amazing cold. So yeah, those are my top ten Halloween candies. Go from ten to one once again. Nerds, Milky Way, Twix, Peanut M and M's, Hershey bars, Kit Kats. Number four, Reese's Cups. Number three, M and M's. Number two, three Musketeers. Number one, Snickers on the Halloween candies list. But let's make some money right now because I mean. I, we, Pushing up against the clock right now, so I'll just give it to you really quick. This is what your FanDuel lineup. Get your FanDuels out right now because, I mean, once again, while you're getting those uh, situated and getting ready to plug them into your phone, get FanDuel out. Remember, you can you can use these lineups if you want. If it doesn't make you any money, don't blame me. I'm not an expert. But I know last week, last week, last week, it made money. It made a lot of money. So this is, uh, I, I, I think I know what I'm doing here. At quarterback, to start Trevor Lawrence in Seattle. That defense is, I mean, everything in Seattle right now has been completely terrible since Russell Wilson went out. I mean, we heard that from uh, uh, Dusty Likens uh, just a few minutes ago. So, yeah, no, Trevor Lawrence, start him. Running back, Joe Mixon against the Jets. What, they're going to be up, and Joe Mixon is going to run all over the Jets at some point. So, yeah, Joe Mixon. Running back, another one, Leonard Fournette against the Saints. It's the exact same thing is going to happen. The Saints defense isn't that great. We saw that Monday Night Football last week against the Saints, especially in the rain. That offense was not moving the ball at all, but, I mean, the rain probably still had a little bit uh, factor in that. It was a start, Leonard Fournette. Wide receivers take Deontay Johnson at the Browns, take Stephon Diggs versus the Dolphins, and Tim Patrick versus the football team. Make sure you do them three. At tight end, take TJ Hawkinson against the Eagles. At flex, take Alvin Kamara against the Buccaneers because he's going to be the only person on the Saints that's going to do anything. That's what he does every single week. And on the Lions defense, take them against the Eagles. I know, Lions, you're thinking, why am I taking the Lions? They haven't even won a football game yet. This is the week they won a football game. I, I promise you that right now. And to end things off on a fun topic, there was a trade between Tom Brady and a fan this week 
who Mike Evans gave the 600 touchdown pass of Tom Brady's career to a fan by accident. It's by accident. By accident. It's by accident. And the trade consisted of a Bitcoin that's worth over $600,000. Not $600,000. I don't know what. Man, numbers this week have been a... A lot to me right now. Yeah, no, they gave him a Bitcoin, two signed jerseys, a helmet from Tom Brady, so two signed Tom Brady jerseys, a signed Mike Evan jersey and his game cleats, a $1,000 credit to the Buccaneers team store, two season tickets for the rest of the season and next season. That is what the deal they agreed upon. And the guy has even said that he came to the game with his buddy. And like, you better you better split the, the, this, uh, this stuff with his buddy because his buddy invited him. He got the football. Into the trade and in the in the quote he said, Tom Brady won the football back, so I gave him back. So I gave it back. Look at that. Nice guy. Good guy. Good guy, this guy. And yeah, no, that they should have someone should have done this for Salvador Perez's home run. Like this the Salvador Perez home run that tied the uh the the went over Johnny Bench's um, home run mark in a season. Probably this is what should have happened. The fans should just give him back, but again, it's also a Cleveland Guardians fan. So and that's already in shambles there, but this is a good trade by the by the fan by the fan and like a great reimbursement back from the football because Tom Brady doesn't care. Tom Brady's loaded. He says I really don't care about like keeping things, but six hundred touchdown pass is kind of special. It's six hundred. No one's done that ever in NFL ever in or history. So yeah, no, that's just how the cookie crumbles on that instance. But yeah, no, this is the the Halloween special. I'm Kramer Sanson. Sorry, with Kramer. Hope everybody this week has an amazing time, amazing Halloween. Please be safe. Please enjoy uh, this uh, this Halloween. I'm dressing up as an astronaut, and I'm going to space. At least that's that was the main goal. If I can go to space, still I'll go to space. Like that's just that's just a thing with me. I'm just gonna go to space because that's just what I want to do. So yeah, no, that this has been Cyrus of Kramer. Also, a quick question: Would you rather get tackled by either tackle Derrick Henry or get tackled by Miles Garrett? I mean, those are my two scariest NFL guys on offense and defense. Um, I, I, I'm just not going to play football. I won't answer the question. Derek Kennedy is going to run over me, and also Miles Garrett is just going to destroy me. So, yeah, that's it. That's it. I've, I've been Kramer. It's been Stars of Kramer. Bump at Kansas City. Also, happy birthday to my uncle today. He turns 51. Also, Raiders fan. Everybody, have a good one. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on The Bet 1660.